Hi, this is James Rousseau, and I'd like to welcome you to another edition of The Coiling Solution, where we look to empower you through awareness and actionable insights. On this episode, I am linking up with Burke Calhoun and Fatima Salam. Beginning their careers as a civil engineer and educator, respectively, they have become leading entrepreneurs and now are helping others do the same. During our conversation, we cover a number of things, such as their journey and what led them to entrepreneurship. How did they figure out the right opportunity for them in entrepreneurship? And how did they make that transition? And please understand, they have five children, so they are not afraid of hard work, folks. And what are some of the qualities they look for in the entrepreneurs they take under their wings? And what are some of the things they teach those up-and-coming entrepreneurs? This is an engaged conversation, folks. So as always, sit back, buckle up, because we're about to link up with Burke Calhoun and Fatima Salam. Okay, welcome to another episode of The Coiling Solution. I am pleased to have Fatima Salam and Burke Calhoun here with me. We are in uh, lovely Montego, uh, Jamaica. Uh, we're not video, but I can tell you they are dressed appropriately uh, for the location. And so I'm going to pause and ask you both to introduce yourselves briefly. As you said, my name is Fatima Salam, and I'm a mother of five children, uh, an associate with Legal Shield, a founder and CEO of a company called Go Women Global, where I help women become entrepreneurs. I have a background as a teacher and a principal, and that's all I'll share for now. <laughs> and uh, sir, it's a pleasure to be here. Mr. James Rousseau, Bert Calhoun, uh, live in Atlanta, Georgia area, married with five children, a background professionally as a civil engineer about transition entrepreneurship uh, almost two decades ago uh, and just excited about life right now. I guess let's start with both of you have had uh, great journeys. Uh, again, uh, as we talked about before we got started, that I think anyone would say we're very successful. And I think it's good, you know, on this program, what I like to focus on, I'm just going to remind people for a while, we like to bring awareness from a point of giving people a lot of facts. I always like to say, uh, one of my pastors used to say, you know, unpack things so people can understand what they are and then repack them and give them the salient points so they can have actionable insights, things they can really do with it. And both of you have had great careers. I know uh, Fatima, former teacher and, and Bert, as you said, civil engineer, would love for you to talk a little bit about where you both started and then how you both got to the path of entrepreneurship and uh, however you guys choose who starts first. That's totally fine with me. Well, great question. And the road uh, has been uh, interesting when I really reflect on my life. And to be very frank with you, I came from a, a lower middle class neighborhood in SoCal, and I'll say this, I was blessed to survive some of the epidemics back in that day in the 80s of the crack epidemic and the Bloods and Crips. Mm -hmm. And in my community, uh, you know, I didn't grow up in poverty, but I didn't see a lot of examples of professionalism. However, within my family, on my mom's side especially, uh, education was very uh, focused on and, and, of course, encouraged. Uh, so it wasn't really uh, a debate why I was going to go to college, but really what I wanted to do. So around my later years in, in high school, I, I excelled in math and in science, always loved those two uh, different topics. And I made a decision to become an engineer. But what's funny, though, is, is when I was five years of age, I loved jumping on trains to visit family. And so I thought I wanted to be a locomotive engineer. Uh, so made a decision uh, to uh, go to, to college and chose Howard at HBCU. Uh, and I'll get in more into that later. But bottom line is, uh, when I got to engineering uh, school, uh, I wanted to always uh, focus on the practicality of it. So I had a lot of internships. And 
at the heart of, of, of what I was doing, though, I said to myself, at some point, I knew I had the entrepreneurial spirit, and I sold a few things in high school. And so even though I started with a, a great company when I graduated, had played a resume game, at the back of my mind and in my heart, I said, at some point, I want to do, I want to go into business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I was blessed to do that throughout my journey and became an entrepreneur uh, five years post-college. Gotcha. Yes, sir. Let me ask you a question, um, and we'll move to final one. How, you mentioned so, SoCal, Bloods, Crips, so on and so forth, tough area, not a lot of role models immediately available. I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people here. What do you think helped you get through, bob and weave, cross, overcome barriers of that scenario? It was uh, at least three things. One was... Uh, a single parent family, but my mom uh, just the love, the nurturing, the encouragement, and then her example going to college, mm-hmm. uh, and my grandparents was was huge for me, and so she set an expectation uh, and gave me really a, a lifestyle of being able to be uh, what I like to say is a, kind of a free spirit, you know, mm-hmm. carefree type of child growing up in SoCal. So even though those things were there, right. the sunshine, three hundred degree, uh, three hundred days out the year, and that type of palm tree lifestyle, I was still able to have that, you know, uh, I, I experienced that. Right. Um, but the second thing was teachers within uh, the uh, public school system that I uh, you know, grew up in. I didn't have any private schooling, but I had some teachers who saw something in me. Mm-hmm. And, and at six, I'll mention this quickly, I was identified, you know, I say, quote, unquote, gifted uh, because of, you know, they, I took a test with a psychologist gotcha. uh, and that expectation at six. They told me I could achieve, so I just believed them, mm. and and that followed me throughout my all of my academic life. Wow. And so there were certain teachers who would just uh, notice things in me, and that belief they put in me, you know, I, I didn't want to disappoint them. Uh, so that was really huge. Some teachers right. uh, that that influenced me, and then the third thing uh, was really um, being able to identify uh, what I wanted to do uh, in my profession, because that kind of attracted you know, um, mentors and what have you along the journey in gotcha. school and outside of school. Mm-hmm. That's strong. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I had a very, um, different type of background. My parents met and married in college. And so, um, I grew up as they grew up. And so we traveled around as they went to college. And, um, I remember my father was the first tenured law professor at Syracuse university and sitting in his law school classes while my mom was in the school of nursing sitting in her classes. And so education was always very important on my father's side of the family. They believed it was the solution to everything. And so I grew up with that same belief. And so I went to Spelman, graduated, and I knew that I always had an affinity to help women. And so backtracking at some point in my high school career, I lived in um, Selma, Alabama and watching the racism still alive and well in the school system in 1990, we actually had a movement called um, student movement uh, to, for against racial tracking, which meant that we boycotted the school. We shut the school down. It was a national um, movement that actually still informs courses when people go to college to learn about education that a way to hold and track people straight to prison is ability tracking based on race and socioeconomic conditions and so that never left my mind but I decided to focus on women and so that's why I wanted to teach children is because I felt like if children were well educated and their parents 
were involved in that education. That's why Montessori was so important to me. Then we could affect families. Well, throughout the course of time, I realized, yes, education is very important, but women being able to have efficacy, being able to make decisions, choices come from being able to have financial empowerment, which means having access to their own money. Now, jobs can be the answer for but for most women, if they're work, if they have children, they live in countries where there's not a lot of um, opportunity, then being able to use your skills and your talents and your knowledge and to make money off of it was something that I decided to start to focus on in 2014. And so that was my journey into being an entrepreneur. And now my goal and vision is to help other women become entrepreneurs. Got it. Very powerful. Very powerful. So, so, um, so you, you just helped us segue into it. So now as you, um, moved into entrepreneurship, talk about that transition. Cause those, those transitions aren't necessarily easy, right? You know, a lot of times we, um, entrepreneurship can either, it's, it's almost like two extremes. Either it's looked at as the failure rate is promoted, right? In terms of how many businesses start every month, but the failure rate is so extreme. I forget it's over 60%, mm-hmm. right? I think mm-hmm. half a million businesses may start, but then, they plummet or we see Shark Tank, right? They get this unbelievable deal or these businesses get purchased. Um, but the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? It's, it's, it's hard to walk away from what people believe is a steady paycheck and this security. First of all, we know is not true. There's no security necessarily in a job, right? But not everything's for everyone, right? So maybe talk about the path of transitioning from the roles and the jobs that you had to entrepreneurship and kind of this even walk through, if you would, uh, if you can recall some of this decision process too, as well, right? For folks, because I think a lot of folks, when they listen to this program, hopefully, you know, they're considering different entrepreneurial paths and thinking about what it might mean and thinking about the different trade-offs. What were some of the decisions you had to walk through and what was some of that journey like going through that time? Well, for women at around age 35, they start to feel a pushback in their careers of being able to advance up the ladder. And so, for me, the same thing started to happen. I was working harder, more dedicated, and I was having less opportunity. And so I felt very constricted in the job force, even though I actually loved what I was doing. Um, I, opportunities weren't coming my way based on my skills, even knowledge, and experience. Yeah, well, basically, I had moved into marketing and development. Okay. But really, there's only so many positions to be a principal. There's very hard to get out of the classroom. So I have uh, uh, some of my clients, is they were teachers, they wanted to have more of a leadership position. It's very difficult once you're in the classroom to get out of the classroom. And so for me, what I had to learn um, as an entrepreneur is there's a, a, a limiting conditional mindset that we take on as women where when you get married and you have children, the man is expected to be the one to continue to work. And if there's maternity leave, the woman takes it. Well, every time a woman takes maternity leave, she takes off her, her, her ability to advance at a job because it's held against you. While the man is continuing to develop and move up, p- potentially move up the ranks. And so um, for me, I ha- had to understand that I had some of that conditioning. And so to relook at in our marriage, gender roles and what I'm responsible for and what he's responsible for. Another thing I had to really work with as a woman is people's 
opinions of the choices that I was making because there's a lot of, um, I guess, permission to make sacrifices for a job. But if you're making those same sacrifices to build your business, especially as a woman, there's a lot of shame and guilt around that. And then as a mom to my kids, I had to work through the issues of, yes, I'm putting in unconventional hours uh, working on my business, right? Um, and it might not look like how people sacrifice on their job, sacrifice time on their jobs, but eventually the payout is bigger. So the number one thing I had to do is focus on changing my mindset through personal development, my associations, and being, you know, um, always in a learning mode so that I could get over those barriers. And for myself, I've always been a mission-driven person, so I got into engineering, yes, because I love math and science, but at the same time, growing up in L.A., there was a lot of smog, mm -hmm. and so environmental issues were brought to my uh, conscious mind very quickly, so in the late 80s, there was a lot of talk about, um, and then nowadays, it's funny, because we're still, uh, science has proven that we have global warming, that's an right. issue, and back then, it was almost, uh, kind of more accepted in the 80s, which is right. funny. But I wanted to become not only a civil engineer, but I chose environmental engineering to help the environment. So on my career path as an engineer, I worked at a wastewater treatment plant, which was directly impacting the water quality uh, in the water courses throughout America. But again, I had that entrepreneurial spirit. So I tried different ventures on the side. I was uh, part time marketing of water filters because mm. it was akin to my profession. Uh, I sold other different products. But and, and then in addition, I learned about making money in real estate. I was a home inspector. So I was always on a, on a part-time basis doing something as a full-time professional engineer. Right. But I chose for me, because the, the risk is always a factor, I chose self-franchising as a way to go, uh, the network marketing model. And I was in about, three or four, about four or five other companies uh, prior to the company I'm in now. Right. And, and so for myself, I'm very practical. I said, well... Uh, because of some of the, the, the failure successfully, I mean, the failure financially in the past, but learning through personal development and leadership principles. So I was winning on that side, but not having the financial success. Uh, success. Mm -hmm. But when I got into this last company, uh, Legal Shield, what I decided to do is, is I said, if I can match my salary as a full-time engineer on a part-time basis, mm -hmm. then perhaps I'll consider becoming a full-time entrepreneur. Gotcha. And so because of, of being able to really have mentors pour into myself, being with a, a solid company and also uh, the leadership role in the personal development, I was able to do that after five years of a lot of preparation season uh, to match my salary in five months. And I walked away two months later uh, to become a full time entrepreneur. And so that assessment for me was it was a lot had a lot to do with economics. Uh, and, and I told myself that, you know, with the journey I had throughout college, if I could sustain that income and put more time in, then perhaps I could really take off and, and have the, the really the lifestyle, the freedom uh, to make the choice I wanted to do. Because back at Howard, uh, I had a, a good friend. We started a nonprofit organization to mentor young men mm -hmm. uh, in the community right there in the D.C. area. We taught them horticulture teach them to be producers versus consumers. So to be able to have more time to give back to the community and to really at some point be a work from home dad, uh, not having children at the time, but having that vision for my family, 
Uh, I knew that in corporate climbing, corporate ladder, mm. it'd be difficult because I got to about 70 plus hours a week to really fulfill the bigger vision of, of me having success as a whole man right. in life versus just corporate success. So is that MP3? What's called MP3? It was that was actually a, a New World Tribe back New in, in tribe. college. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we able to even get funding from Sharon Fred Kelly back in D.C. Um, to to fund some breakfast programs and tutoring and stuff. So that stayed in me as something I did in my youth. But you know, as you grow into man uh, into manhood and family responsibilities, the time to do that is is tough. But entrepreneurship to me was the key because it would give me the time freedom at some point right. if I put enough equity in my business to be able to do some of those things uh, down the road. Mm-hmm. And, and that has uh, uh, we, uh, we've been blessed to have that actually come to fruition. Got it. So yours is more prompted, Fatima, by a ceiling effect. It kind of prompted yours. Yours by more time freedom. If you could match your salary opportunity. And you were you were doing other things along the way, kind of testing other things. Exactly. Along the way. Experimentation. And, and yeah, experimentation. Yeah. Fine. See, he's a civil engineer. He can't even help himself. Experimentation. <laughs> <laughs> along the way. Uh, and then found one. Excellent. And then Fatima, you said something really big that I don't want to gloss over. So let's dive into that one a little bit. I love what you said. So one of the things you said is you had to get your mindset right through personal development, right? And a lot of times we use those words. um, uh, Those of us who've gotten to that side of getting comfortable with personal development as a way of life, we use it so freely and so uh, effortlessly, right? Like we just do it. But until you get to that point, until you make that paradigm shift, it's amazing how difficult it might be, right? So let's spend a few minutes on, on personal development, how did you get to that realization of, man, I've got to start thinking differently. I've got to start feeding my mind differently. I've got to start surrounding myself with different people. What, what helped you get there? Right. And, and, um, and then, okay, let's start. I'll stop there. What helped you get there? Well, it was simple because I was a part of Legal Shield. A part of being in Legal Shield, our professional and personal journey is to focus on personal development. And so the first thing I learned is in order to be successful, I needed to read 10 pages of a good book, listen to audio every day and be careful of my associations. And I took that seriously. And so every season of my life when I'm ready to go to the next level, I've realized that I've had to dive deeper into uh, getting better. But one thing that I, I would like to say that I understand is that it's a very unique journey. So before you can embark on a personal d- development journey, you have to really Im- take some time to become self-aware, to find out what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, what's your personality, how do you lead, what is your communication style, so that you can start to build a foundation to fill the gaps to build you up as a person is not a, a one size fits all for everybody. And so the journey is remarkably unique. And so that's something that I, I did learn about midway that no, I need to also focus on what's relevant to me. How about you, Mr. Calhoun? Yeah, I mean, really, number one, uh, when I had that mentor, I didn't really reference him a lot, but I'll, I'll bring him into the story now. And really, by the grace of God, I met him uh, through a neighbor, a gentleman who was an accomplished engineer uh, and, and he worked for the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. And meeting him early before I went to college, because I was seeking an internship prior to uh, going to college. You know, he shared with me that you need to make sure you grow yourself professionally and personally. 
And so he talked about your ability to have strong oral and written communication skills. And he talked about the diversity of people you'll be speaking to. And uh, being a young engineer, there'll be people that are a lot older than you. So that confidence coming from you developing yourself professionally and personally is going to be real, real key. And so he instilled that in me. But not until I got really into entrepreneurship, uh, with what Fatima said, that I began to have more of a formula uh, to really feed my, my mind by reading and, and listening and mm-hmm. watching my associations, and then also taking the proper classes to give me uh, perhaps an extra insight mm-hmm. or specialized knowledge uh, to help me go forward. It's like when I was a home inspector, being able to study, you know, a, a resident, studying some of the systems within the home right. uh, as, as outside of just working my 70 plus hour week as an engineering job, mm-hmm. because it was extra time I needed to spend on my perhaps future craft or endeavor. So, but the, the, the key thing was, as I, I did that, was the discipline to actually do it, right. is to make sure that I did read and did listen. And I'll speak from the perspective of work, when I was working, mm-hmm. you know, when I was in my car in traffic, as opposed to listening to the radio stations, I would turn my car into a drive time university. Right. And that 15 to 30 minutes could have the day be set in a way that would be different if I was listening to not to beat up on him, but Russ Parr in the morning and, and right. just kind of joking around and hearing a, a lot of different gossip in the celebrity world. So right. that discipline, while I was still working, taking slivers of time to pour into myself and then taking time on lunch breaks to read books and then associating with, pe- with people who had what I wanted that were in the entrepreneurial world when I was around people working was, was really key. And I was taught a concept that you know, you're the, uh, the, the uh, average of the five people that you associate with mm-hmm. and, and your friends are either taking you up or down or like an elevator. And I really took those simple concepts to heart and did my best to apply them. Uh, didn't apply them perfectly, but I applied them to the, to the best excellence I could. And that was really key uh, to the mindset shifting to self-employed. So when I did step out there as a full-time entrepreneur, I realized that I didn't have a boss. Right. I realized that I had to self-employ uh, because I was told when to take lunch and, and how much vacation time I had. And so now that was a whole nother uh, experience to apply to see if, did I really cut the mustard? Right. You know, now I, you know, I have 24 hours a day mm-hmm. and if I wasted time, it, it would cost me uh, versus being at a job. So uh, the trial and error, applying the, the things I learned into practice and knowing that I had to bring income into the household. Uh, and what the great thing about it was I ended up doubling my, my income when I went full time through going through the ups and downs. Initially, it was great. And some days I did waste time because mm-hmm. I had all this time freedom that I was looking for. But I quickly realized that you, you better really, really apply this. And, it, and, it, and I was blessed for it to work out. And then it took us over to a, over a six figure income after I left my job. So, you know, one of the things, my observations of, uh, of you two, that's why I, I told you guys I was looking forward to this, is you two, in my opinion, my humble opinion and observing you are extremely deliberate in what you do, right? You guys are, are, don't, don't waste a lot of time and don't, uh, what's what I'm looking for? Don't, um, don't waste words. I've, I've observed you're very deliberate. So I'm curious when you have new folks join your team, uh, and you have your first sessions with them and, and kind of game, whether it's game plan interviewing or getting them set up and, and get them position, you know, trying to position them for success. What are your first pieces of advice? What do you tell them, you know, to start their personal development roadmap? You know, and I say this as a question for, you know, again, the audience that may be listening who they go, OK, great. I'll buy into this. If Fatima and Bert are saying personal development is a part of what's going to help me succeed. Right. What are the first maybe three things they should do to get their personal development game together? What, what, what would you advise? 
In my Go Women Global coaching program, the very first thing that we start with is belief. What are your beliefs? Examine your beliefs and any belief that limits you, you got to let it go and gravitate towards the beliefs that free you. And so the same thing when I sit down with a new associate, I don't focus on giving them a whole bunch of personal development. What we focus on is getting them to have their initial success where they actually get paid, where they actually get promoted so that that's their belief check. That's what we actually call it. So then they have a win and then they're more open to going down this path that they might not have been on before. And so it's a different way of looking at belief, but getting people paid, getting them to see that, okay, this may work for me is the first door to first opening as an entrepreneur, a, a entrepreneur gotcha. that, okay, if I stick to this, the more personal development, the bigger my belief becomes, the bigger my check will become. Got it. And, and speaking of harmony with Fatou, I mean, for myself, it's an old, uh, old formula that I've been using for uh, over two decades and, and simply that that person coming, understanding they're coming from a, uh, like I talked about, uh, being employed and not being self-employed is to uh, have a work ethic that they bring in uh, from their career, whether it's the military, corporate America. And because sometimes within the profession, somebody wants to come into entrepreneurship, they, they look at all of the success and the lifestyle, but they uh, sometimes don't realize that there's some work involved in the work ethic. So I just remind them real quickly that this is not a get rich quick type of, of um, path to success. You need to have a work ethic. Right. Uh, and even if it's five or 10 hours a week, put a full time attitude to put effort into that five or 10 hours, even though you may not have full-time hours into that with those part-time hours. So I tell them that's very, very key. So I I try to not let them have a false expectation, Mm -hmm. prepare them for the adversity that's out there. So that that's key with the uh, work ethic. And then just letting them know, look, I'm going to introduce you to some untraditional ideas and concepts on how Mm -hmm. to become successful. Mm -hmm. They're going to go against your, your kindergarten to 12th grade Mm -hmm. uh, education. Uh, which is teaching you how to go work for somebody else. So if I introduce you to a, 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 a counterintuitive concept, right. I'm asking you, give me 90 days to, to try it on uh, to see if it works. So like one example is we say, you know, use third party uh, to, to build your, your self franchise because first part, people are judging you, your success, your lack of success in your past. And mm-hmm. so take it off yourself. And that's what businesses do. They market concepts, logos and brands that take it off of the individuals. And for me, I got beat up out there saying, now you want to be this businessman. I thought you were want to be an engineer or you <laughs> (laughs) with this or that. So I had to take it off myself. And so people are typically trained to get success based on their own SAT scores, their own resume. So Mm -hmm. sometimes that can be counterintuitive. So say, I'm going to introduce you to some concepts and don't judge them and don't question them. Ask questions to get clarity, but don't question them. Mm -hmm. And then the third thing is just really to have a tap into that burning desire, that passion for success that perhaps has been dormant. Turn that dream machine on the best you can. And again, this is a very abbreviated to get them out there to start working because mm-hmm. I end with, hey, one hour in the field is worth 20 hours in the classroom. Right. So I'm giving you this. But really, the, it's, you're going to learn by doing, making the mistakes and don't be afraid to fail. You know, you're going to get the bruises like riding a bike. You're going to f- fall and get the scraped up elbows and, and, and knees. But that's how we learn. It's the right. process, like a baby trying to go from calling to, 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 to walking. Uh, and, and so there were those types of concepts. And sometimes I may deliver them in different ways based on the person's background. But those are the core three. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. You know, one of the things you said earlier, Bert, was um, 
one of your teachers said to you, I think at the age of six, they saw something special in you. And just them saying that ignited something in you that made you want to stick with it and commit. Um, do you do that sometimes with people you find? I did it this morning, yeah, uh, but, I, but I, I do it. It's kind of in my nature, my DNA, mm-hmm. uh, maybe because of, of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I really love to, I'm an optimist by nature, just mm-hmm. to look for the good in people mm-hmm. and just to speak to that mm-hmm. and water that seed. And those are, you know, it's funny because uh, we talk about, uh, the, what's that old phrase? Uh, your attitude can determine your altitude, right? And things like that. So just by the nature of the business you're in as entrepreneurs, you come across thousands of people. What are some of the attributes you see sometimes that make you want to approach a person? There are some tangibles <laughs> and intangibles. You know, so the tangibles, let's just, just start with the outside first. Sure. Uh, when a person has that sharp look mm-hmm. and, you know, really that professional look, they groom well, mm-hmm. they're dressed well. And you can tell they walk with a confidence that either is something they're faking until they make it or it's really from an internal intrinsic value system. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line on the outside, I'm seeing that they they have a nice stride in their walk uh, and, and they carry themselves well. So that uh, invites me to want to wanna network with that person. One thing I'll say sometimes when I'm out there uh, doing um, just some observing, uh, observing of individuals and, and just uh, doing what we call prospecting mm-hmm. is I'll tell a person, look, I make a habit of networking with professional people. Right. Let's just exchange business cards. Right. And so we're just having a light conversation. Uh, and it's and, and if the person had their pants sagging to their knees and 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 and, you know, just had a, a look that was uh, not well groomed. And I, I may not approach that person with that with that um, right. that one liner, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is on the inside, because those are the external things. And but the inside things I'm looking for is a person really uh, having the uh, go getter attitude, uh, some self initiative yes. and the ability really uh, to to see if that self-concept is more artificial or is it really based on some core values? So I call it that ability to have that uh, self-confidence and self-competency based on them having some real skills and having a a mindset that is at least open to entrepreneurship. Do they have a mindset of what we call that Mm 40-40-40 where they really uh, don't want to they really want to check every two weeks. And I'm not knocking that, but I was taught, you know, a check is a great place to start, but not a great place to finish, especially right. in this new economy. Mm-hmm. But do they really, are they really open to taking some risk and, and learning some new skills uh, in this 21st century? So those are some of the things that I, that I look for. That's great. For me, I think I work on the inside out. And so it's really focused on me becoming more attractive. And when I think of the people who've come into my um, business and my clients, um, it's because I've done a lot of work on becoming attractive. And so I attract people who are interested in what it is that I'm doing. And typically the ones who have success or the ones who start with my Go Women Global is because they've basically prospected themselves from watching me. And so, and I don't say that in a, in a, uh, in a bragging way. I say it is I've done the real work to go from having low self-esteem, low self-confidence, low self-worth. Um, I know what it's like to be um, a woman feeling like you don't have power, that you don't have influence, that you don't have um, opportunity. And so it's a genuine, authentic, real person that I want to give out into the world. And I think that's what uh, uh, attracts people. So I that's where... 
my place of starting. Got it. Why don't you talk a little bit, um, Fatima, about your, your, your broader initiative that you were talking about uh, to help women in poverty? So my full time, what I do, I spend most of my time on is with, is with Legal Shield, and so, but also I have a, a small boutique firm where I help women uh, to develop the mindset necessary in order to either um, climb the career ladder or, more importantly to me, be able to discover their passion, find their purpose, and put a plan in place so that they can go after it and that can be an entrepreneurship or with their careers and so um, our signature program is a power of 10 women where I bring a cohort of 10 women together for 10 weeks where we each week talk about a principle that I think is important to empower a woman and to open her mindset and so then in after that session, then they have homework to uh, develop their experience. And we're basically making a personal strategic plan. So we go through a belief, they come up with their personal vision, their personal mission, their core values, a strategic living plan, um, looking at relationships in their lives. And so we really, it's a comprehensive program to get women started and launched if they feel stuck. If they want more information on that, where, where should they, um, how do they contact you? Oh, www.gowomenglobal.com. We're on Instagram as gowomenglobal.com. We're on, I mean, as gowomenglobal. We're on Facebook as gowomenglobal. We're on Twitter as gowomenglobal. Go you can find us. Thank you so much for <laughs> offering me the opportunity to uh, shout absolutely. myself out. <laughs> wonderful. Well, it's a wonderful, absolutely wonderful program. Thank you both uh, for spending some time with me. Um, as we kind of wrap up, uh, two questions. Um, one, um, again, in terms of actual insights, you've given tons. Favorite books, right? So, Drive Time University or otherwise. Any any of your favorite treats you want to share with folks? Maybe two or three favorite books or audible books or or listening tools you you like to share? Well, for women, and I'll just keep beating that drum. Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg was very, very impactful to me. Brave in the Wilderness by Brene Brown, very impactful for me. And Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. That was the first book that really started to open my mind. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. For myself, I'll mention one author that has impacted me the most, uh, Jim Rohn, uh, author, and he was a public speaker, and uh, so he has so much, so many things on YouTube, but there's an audio series called The Challenge to Succeed. Mm-hmm. It's a four CD set. Of course, you can get it. Uh, that's the way I started with CDs back mm-hmm. in, the, in the late 2000s or early 2000s, but it's called the uh, yeah cha- uh, the the challenge to succeed by Jim Rohn. Uh, wonderful, wonderful. About three to four hour audio changed my life. Mm. Changed my life. And then the book he wrote was called the five major pieces to the life puzzle. Again by Jim Rohn. The five major pieces to the life puzzle. Shifting mindset. Uh, taking on leadership. Uh, he's very philosophical yet allows you to. Come to your own discovery of your actionable steps. Right. Uh, it is amazing because he helps to pull stuff out of you for your own individual path. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Jim uh, Rohn, top, awesome. top notch. And last question I like to ask is uh, I always like to ask everyone this um, who else, uh, who, who do you know that you think we should know? One, one person each. Who do you know that you think we should know, meaning that we should bring onto this program? Um, who would you recommend? A good friend of mine who I started 
a mentoring program with about five years ago, a mentoring young men in Atlanta. His name is Kofi Rashid. Mm. We went to Howard together. And his uniqueness is uh, he lives he lived out the country a lot in his adult life, been to about 40 countries. Mm-hmm. And he grew up in the Bay Area, um, you know, in a, uh, a area where, you know, he could have ended up not on his path in life. Sure. Uh, but he actually works for the uh, Gates Foundation for Bill Gates as a mm-hmm. consultant. And he lived in Dubai for nine years. So some of the insights he could bring from his real uh uh, you know, beginnings in childhood to mm-hmm. how do you uh, work for the bank company and other things he's done. I think he'd be a great person for uh, the mission and vision you have with, with Core with Core Link Excellent. here. Absolutely. Thank you. I would say Anisha Rashad. She's an executive coach out of California, where she uh, does something similar to me, but she really focuses on women who want to stay in the career and how to grow and prosper and to crack that glass ceiling her name is anisa rashad and she's an executive coach yeah can i uh, ask you guys to make maybe make an introduction yes, absolutely sir. for sure awesome. yeah. thank you thank you so much well thank you guys for spending such uh, t- time with me this morning and taking time away from uh, your schedules in montego bay <laughs> <laughs> well it was a pleasure appreciate you you're, you're most welcome yeah. you're refreshing and uh, all the best to you exactly doing congratulations doing. it's an honor to be able to uh, be interviewed thank yes. you so much thank you for asking thank you guys Thank you for linking up with me for another episode of The Corling Solution. Three important notes before you leave. Number one, please subscribe. If you're listening on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or whatever your service of choice, you will see a subscribe button. Please use it. You will then be notified each time a new episode is available. Number two, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes or, again, whatever your service of choice. As a new podcast, this is very important for us. It is truly one of the biggest ways you can support us. Number three, this program is about empowering you through awareness and actionable insights in the areas of personal and leadership development, entrepreneurship, and social justice with a focus on education in particular. As you listen to the show, you will have questions. You will hear some things that are new to you and maybe terminology you've heard for the first time. All of those things are good, and I am here to serve you. Go to our website, thecorlingsolution.com, and right below the show notes for that podcast episode, you can ask your questions right there. You can mention the challenges you face in the areas I mentioned, and you can even tell me about other guests you'd like to hear from. Thank you so much for linking up, and I'll see you next episode.